Hey, it's Tuesday. Let's talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And at the end of yesterday's show of Mailbag Monday, we talked about what's the toughest division in baseball, and is it still the National League East? And I said it was down to the National League East and American League East, and I was giving giving the edge to the National League East because of the quality up top even though the AO East is probably going to have more teams over 500. And the biggest response that I got by far was people telling me you're underestimating the Toronto Blue Jays. So I figured, let's go ahead, let's look at this team, and let's see uh, both from a MLB roster perspective, uh, potential moves that may happen over the winter perspective, and a prospect perspective, uh, how should we feel about the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays. So when you look at the, the the starting nine, you have to feel really good about this. Just kind of assuming you're facing a righty, you're looking at an infield of Vlad Guerrero Jr. at first base, 32 home runs last year, 274, 339, 480. You're happy with that. Uh, probably Whit Merrifield starting at second. You remember you got him at the deadline from Kansas City. But last year, 250, 298, 375, 11 home runs, 16 stolen bases. He struggled a little bit uh, earlier in the year, but looks to be your starting second baseman. Um, shortstop, Bo Bichette, 290, 333, 469, 24 home runs last year. Uh, feel really good about his abilities as a shortstop. And then, of course, you've got a couple years before he hits free agency. You've got some time there. We'll get to that in a second segment. Uh, third base, you traded for Matt Chapman last March from Oakland. Gave up Gunnar Hogland and some other uh, pieces to do it, but uh, took a little bit to adjust to Toronto last year. But 229, 324, 433, 27 home runs there for Matt Chapman. And then your outfield's going to look a little bit different. You've got Lords Goriel, probably in left field. Uh, 291, 343, 400 last year. Not a ton of power out of Lourdes Goriel with uh, five home runs. But center field, you brought in Kevin Kiermeyer. Uh, and uh, obviously short year last year, he had the hip labrum tear and missed a big portion of the year. Uh, but he's he's coming in on a, on a one-year deal. And interestingly, he is the only left-handed hitter in this everyday lineup. Uh, adding Kiermeyer who still should be able to give you above average, if not plus defense and center, uh, while hopefully getting a little bit of pop, uh, moves George Springer to right, which feels like it's the best situation for everybody involved. So Springer, 267, 342, 472, 25 home runs last year, 14 stolen bases, and it's something where putting him in a corner, we've talked about this on the show before, those larger slugger type guys, when you can move them to a corner out of center field, helps their legs a bit and just helps them uh, be a little fresher. And you see the production tick up at the plate. Uh, part of the reason uh, Adam Duvall struggled in Atlanta last year was because he was having to cover center field to open the season. Uh, behind the plate, 
you're looking at the one-two punch of Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk. So Jansen, 260, 339, 516, uh, was in and out of the lineup with some injuries, had about 70 or so games, hit 15 home runs. Then Alejandro Kirk, 285, 372, 415 with 14 home runs. Uh, Big boy, but looks to be every bit of a major league hitter. And and so very happy with your young uh, catchers. And then obviously more guys behind them to talk about. Big prospect. We'll talk about that in just a minute. So your bench is a ton of versatility here, right? So Kevin Biggio, who is another lefty. Too. If, you, if you need to put lefties in a lineup, you have lefties on the bench that can do it. Three of these four guys on the bench as I'm looking now, assuming that Kirk and Jansen are catching and DHing in some order. Your four bench players, Kevin Biggio is a lefty. He can play, last year, he got games in, at first base, at second base, at third base, and all three outfield positions. So he can play all over the diamond for you, both infield and outfield. Tons of versatility there. Um, actual stats, 202, 318, 350, six home runs, right around 300 plate appearances. So uh, definitely a better contributor defensively than offensively. Probably isn't going to help you a ton in fantasy, but it's definitely going to give you uh, versatility from a, from a pure actual baseball standpoint on the diamond. To go along with him, Santiago Espinal, uh, he is the lone righty on this bench. And I'm assuming that he gets benched in favor of Whit Merrifield. I don't actually know, but he played second, he played third, he played short, and then Lourdes Goriel can play first as well. So you've got multiple options for first base. Uh, you've got more than one option for shortstop now. Spencer Horwitz also on your bench. He also can play first base in the outfield. And then Nathan Lukes kind of projects to be your fourth outfielder right now. Uh, but again, knowing that you have six guys who can play in the outfield between Gurriel, uh, Springer, Kiermaier, Horwitz, Biggio, and Lukes. So you've got six guys for the outfield. You've got Seven guys for the infield positions, not counting catcher. Plenty of options to go around, multiple shortstop options. So as this lineup is currently constructed, I think you've got you've got quite a few guys that can give you significant power in a Springer and a Vlad Guerrero and a Chapman and a Bichette. I do think Chapman's going to have a rebound year this year after you know a year of adjustment, have a little bit of a better year this year. You've got decent defense, Kira Meyer. You have a t- a two good performers at the catching position in both Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen. And so I really do like this lineup. Now, I think some of the projections, you know, this, this team went, well, I think 92 and 70 last year. So seven games back of the Yankees in the division, probably wanted it to be a little bit closer than it actually was. But when you look at the production, I mean, as a team, 264, 329, 431 hit a grand total of 200 home runs dead even and outscored their opponents by just under 100 runs. It's funny. 92 and 70 was the record. The Pythagorean win loss was 91 and 71. So very close to the projections of what they should have done based on runs scored and runs allowed. Uh, I think you got a little bit better in the runs allowed category with the addition of Kiermaier and some of the pitching changes. 
And we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Pro football to push to the playoffs. We saw some fantastic football on Sunday and Saturday. I'm really curious to see about, uh, did they actually have odds on Mac Jones getting stiff-armed to the ground on an intercepted lateral on a tied ball game to end the game? But push the playoffs, you can go check it out, bet online. College Bowl season obviously is in full swing right now. Games going on all this week and next week. People who work from home or who have TVs in their offices, it's the best time of the year as far as being able to sit there and watch bowl games during your workday. Uh, basketball, college and pro, the World Cup just wrapped up. Uh, only soccer that I watched all year was the second half of that Argentina-France matchup, and that was pretty fire. And French has the, the French had really good uniforms. I'm, I'm told they're called kits. The blue and gold is a pretty nice look. Anyway, so if you uh, betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because BetOnline is where the game starts. Okay, so the Toronto Blue Jays this offseason have made some moves. Traded Teoscar Hernandez to the Mariners, got back a pitching prospect, Adam Mako, as well as a reliever, Eric Swanson. Swanson's going to slip right into this bullpen. I like him as probably your main setup man to Jordan Romano. But uh, you did lose Ross Stripling to the San Francisco Giants in free agency, one of your starters from last year. But you replaced him with Chris Bassett on a three-year contract. And so I don't quite think this team is done as far as moves in free agency in the trade market this winter. A lot of the big free agents are now gone. Uh, but one, everybody always needs relievers. So that's just that's always a need for everybody's veteran relievers. You've got guys in this bullpen who might have a swing into the rotation, like a Mitch White. So everybody needs relievers. Not not gonna go and discuss all the relief options. There's tons of them. Everybody needs them. But one of the things that I feel like might happen is you may make a trade of a catcher. And I, that kind of seems obvious. Everybody's talked about that. Uh, if you do, I think it's going to be Danny Jansen. We'll get to Gabriel Moreno a little bit later, touching on, on how good he's going to be and, and what he could add to this team. But you look at it, you've got Kirk, who is 24. He's in pre-arb. He's a free agent in 2027. Uh, Jansen is 28. He's going to make an estimated about $3.6 million, and you've got him for 23 and 24. He hits free agency in 25. And when you look at this team and you look at the luxury tax payroll, so that factors in your actual payroll, arbitration, salaries of the minors, benefits, buried salaries from guys you've gotten rid of. Uh, that's mostly a, a Randall Grichuk. The projected total tax allocation, according to SpotTrack, for this team is $228 million. On a luxury tax threshold, the first threshold of 233. And so there's not a ton of guys that you can move with significant salaries. Uh, some of these guys are on short deals. Kevin Kiermeyer's here for one year. I believe Whit Merrifield's on the last year of his contract, making 675. But Danny Jansen makes $3.5 million. Other than one season, which I, I want to say was 2019, other than that, 
you've never gotten him for more than 70 games in, or 73 games in a season. So 2020, shortened year, he only played in 43 or 60 games. 2021, he played in 70 of your 162. 2022, he played in 72 of your 162. Now, he looked good doing it. 260, 339, 516. 15 home runs, 25 extra base hits, 25 walks to 44 strikeouts. He looked good in that. And so I think when you combine the fact that he's known as a good hitter, doesn't chase a bunch off the plate, uh, is is good offensively, uh, is very good at handling a pitching staff, is seen as a leader, but has a little bit of an issue keeping base runners down. I think there's a path for Toronto to make a trade of Danny Jansen. And I think if you do that, there's a couple options that you might be doing here. Uh, option number one, touch on it earlier, you may be trying to see if you can get an impact left-handed bat, probably to go in the outfield. Uh, since your infield seems to be pretty set, you would be looking for something probably in left field. So Lords Guriel be the first guy out. Because again, of your start, starting nine, Eight of those guys, everybody but Kevin Kiermaier projects to, you know, it is a righty. Your bench has plenty of lefties, but looking at can we find an impact bat to be, be in our lineup on an everyday basis hitting from the left-hand side. Your other option, you know, and there's guys, guys on the trade market. There's also guys in free agency, Michael Conforto. Uh, I like the idea of Michael Brantley coming there before he resigned with the Astros. Uh, the other option you could see is a trade for pitching. And reportedly, there was a proposal out at the deadline. I don't know which side made the proposal, but there was a proposal out that was Danny Jansen for Ryan Helsley from St. Louis. But you could see them try to go out and do some some depth in the rotation or somebody who can be in relief or do both. Uh, So right now, your rotation projects to be Alex Manoa who, fantastic power pitcher, obviously 2-2-4 ERA, 31 games last year. Super reliable. Kevin Gosman as your number two, 3-3-5 ERA in 31 games last year. He kind of comes in, he's got that filthy splitter, can get tons of chase. You like the profile there. Your number three, Jose Barrios. ERA wasn't great last year, it was over five. In 32 games started, but there's some thought that they can work on that, they can do a little better. And then again, you you lost Ross Stripling to the Giants, but you replaced him uh, with Chris Bassett, who threw 180 games for the Mets last year. And then your number five as of now is Yusei Kikuchi, who 100 innings last year, ERA over five. But again, there's some thought about some improvement that can be made year over year. You did sign him as a free agent last year, and he uprooted and moved across the country. There's that, th- there's that adjustment period. We have to remember sometimes these are real people. Uh, I do think there is a couple places. Obviously, Mitch White is in your bullpen as a long relief guy. You can move back and forth. Uh, Hujin Rue is recovering from Tommy John. He'll probably be able to take some innings second half of the year, but you definitely don't want to count on him being available because that's that's a luxury. That's You don't want that to be a... That should be a want not a need. You don't need him. You just want him to be able to contribute if he can. And so I still think if you don't trade Jansen for a starting pitcher or an impact, like might be an impact bet, but either way, I expect some more work to be done uh, in free agency. You've got a couple different options. 
If you want to go with some of the older veteran players, such as Johnny Cueto, uh, Zach Greinke, Cole Hamels, Rich Hill, those are guys that are out there. Uh, a little bit different profile. You know, Nathan Eovaldi, probably going to go back to Boston, but you can always check in on that. Uh, Michael Waka, uh, Wade Miley, Corey Kluber, perhaps. I fully expect the, uh, the Blue Jays to pick up at least one more guy. And in just a minute, I want to go over some of the impact prospects that might have an impact at the big league level in 2023 right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Okay, so looking at prospects for the Blue Jays, I think the place you obviously have to start is Gabriel Moreno, one of the best catchers, catching prospects in baseball. Uh, 2016 IFA had 62 games in AAA last year, uh, 25 games at the big leagues, replacing Danny Jansen while he was out, being the number two catcher behind Alejandro Kirk. Uh, Very similar, not identical, but similar profiles in both. So 62 games in AAA in Buffalo. 315, 386, 420. Three home runs, 19 extra base hits, 24 walks to 45 strikeouts, 7 to 8 on stolen bases. In the bigs, 25 games, 319. 356, 377. So batting average was about the same. On base came down a bit. Slugging came down a bit. One home run, two extra base hits, four walks to eight strikeouts. And he, uh, in Toronto, he played not only did he catch in DH, he played some in left. He played a little bit in third and a little bit at second. So showing the versatility of being able to play all over the diamond. And the thing here is offensively, Elite as far as a hitter is concerned, right? Uh, very, very, very good at, like, started off when he was younger. He was very aggressive, uh, especially in two-strike counts. He's gotten a little better about being a little more conservative with it. Uh, he, he'll he go for contact over power when he gets behind in the count or he gets late in the count. So you'll see more line drives, a couple more ground balls, a little bit lower on fly balls, and a little bit less power production. But I think that he's good enough with the stick where a little bit of pitch recognition work and a deliberate decision to hit for some more power, you're looking at a 12 to 15 home run potential. I do think that there is a cap on the power ceiling. He's not really going to be a catcher who hits for a ton of power, but he's going to be one of the higher batting averages of probably any catcher in baseball. And I mean, Shorter sample, 25 games, but I mean, he hit 319 at the big league level. He's obviously very, very good offensively. Defensively, very few questions about him, about his game. Plus arm, above average defender, very good at receiving, uh, game calling, good pop time, very good as far as athleticism for blocking, things like that, framing, game management, feel good. There's a reason he is one of the number one p- catching prospects in all of baseball. Just a very good, well-rounded catcher, both offensively and defensively, although, granted, there is questions about the power ceiling. Uh, if Danny Jansen has moved, I expect him to be up all year and split time with Alejandro Kirk, probably spend plenty of time as the DH, as well as plenty of time in the lineup, depending on how they want to rotate the DH spot through. And if Jansen's not traded, then I expect whenever somebody is out for injury, Moreno is up. Um. I don't think they'll trade Moreno. I think they want to keep Moreno and Kirk together. That is a powerful one-two punch. On par, if not better, than Atlanta's pair of Travis Darno 
and Sean Murphy. Uh, number two prospect that may impact this year, and a little bit early, but left-hand pitcher Ricky Tiedemann. So 2021 third rounder out of junior college. And 6'4", 220, big guy last year, was in low A, high A, and double A. Uh, six games in low A, eight in high A, four in double A. Combined stats, 217 ERA, 78 and two-thirds innings. 117 strikeouts to 29 walks. So 13.4 strikeouts per nine to 3.3 walks per nine. And the thing here, I think he's going to start off at AAA. Uh, they might put him back in AA, but it feels like it's going to be AAA with a possible call-up depending on um, how he performs because very good. The fat, the fastball, I give it probably a 65 grade, not quite a 70 grade, but close. Uh, Mid-90s, got a lot of arm side run to it, and the ball comes from a lower slot, so it's a little bit of a unique profile. It's not all the way down sidearm, but it's not you know, and over the top, it's it's a little bit of a, low, of a lower slot. To go along with it, the slider, it's a, it's a plus slider. One of those big sweepier ones throws it mostly to lefties. And then he's got a fantastic changeup that he mostly throws to righties. Uh, it's got a bunch of tumble and fade to it. It's probably a 70 grade. It's a fantastic changeup. Both of these pitches play really well off the fastball. He can throw all three of them for strikes kind of control them, can dot them. Uh, He can get swings and misses with all of them. He can mix them together really well, uh, sequence them to to keep a hitter uncomfortable. And that is the big thing that we really look for is being able to keep a hitter uncomfortable at the plate. We don't want your hitter to ever feel like, oh yeah, I know what he's going to throw here because he has to get a strike. I'm going to get this pitch. He can throw all three of them for strikes in any count. to any hitter. Now, granted, there is that tendency. He likes to throw the slider to lefties and the changeup to righties, but he can throw everything to everybody. Uh, another prospect, and probably not the one you were expecting to hear as far as impact at the major league level in 2023, is number 27 prospect in the system, right hand pitcher Hagen Danner. So, 2017 second rounder was actually taken at a uh, out of high school, was actually taken as a two-way player. He was a right-hand pitcher and a catcher. And his offense was just not very good. The best that he did offensively was 32 games in 2018 in rookie ball, batting 279. So after the pandemic, after the lost 2020 season, uh, he just straight pitching, nothing but pitching, and looked pretty good. Last year, I'm sorry, in 2021 in high A, 25 games in relief, 202 ERA in 35 and two-thirds innings, 42 strikeouts to 12 walks. Now, last year, very small sample size, uh, missed time, and so only got in that three and two-thirds innings in four games. So very, very small sample size, but was healthy, went to the Arizona Fall League after the elbow injury, took away almost his entire season, looked good in the AFL. And the two pitches that he throws are MLB quality right now. He's got a curveball that's an absolute hammer. One of those hard-breaking, late-breaking curveballs. And to go along with it, his four-seamer sits 95 to 97. He can touch 100 with it. 
Uh, has a lot of really good carry up in the zone when he elevates it. And he can play those pitches really well off each other. And those two pitches are MLB quality pitches right now. And so there's a very good possibility he reopens at AA or AAA. And if he shows that he's fully healthy from the elbow injury and he's confident in what he does and his form, boom, right back, you know, promote him, put him in the bullpen midsummer, give some of those guys a break. Somebody's going to go down with arm fatigue. Happens all the time to veterans in the bullpen. They get arm fatigue and have to miss two weeks. Danner's going to come up and make an impact. Another prospect that you may see uh, is Yosver Zuzuleta. So right-handed pitcher, uh, 2019 IFA, didn't get stateside until 21. At age uh, 23, got one game in low A. 2022, he goes low A, high A, double A, triple A in the same year. So combined stats in 21 games, 12 starts. He was working in relief in double A and triple A most of the time. And they said that was because of innings and workload. It wasn't because of any sort of issues that he had. But 372 ERA in 55 and two thirds innings. 32 walks to 84 strikeouts. So 5.2 walks per nine, and that's the issue that may keep him from contributing at the big league level this year, is the walks to to 84 strikeouts, 13.6 strikeouts per nine. Uh, Hit two home runs. I I personally think he's going to start in AAA. Uh, They may put him in AA, but I think he's going to start in AAA, and then depending what he does, he'll be an option later. When you look at the stuff that he throws, it's a top five prospect for a reason. Fastball sits somewhere around 96 to 97. He Again, he can touch 100 to 101 with it. Very good against left-handed hitters because it runs really hard to the arm side. So it's going to run... It's going to... Uh, it's going to run away from a lefty. It's going to really kind of give him give him some, some trouble there. Uh, slider plus slider. And it's got 12... Like more than 12 inches of induced vertical break. So just completely drops off the table. Uh, He has better command of that than he does of the fastball. But he throws it a ton to righties. And the whole arsenal is built around those two pitches, right? So a little bit of questions about how he fares against lefties. If you had stocked up on lefties. Because of the effectiveness of the slider against righties versus lefties. But still. um, Has a changeup. It's above average. He doesn't always land it where he wants to land it. Doesn't always have the great control of it. And then has a curveball that is just a slower, bigger version of the slider. So it is it is the slider, not as fast, moving farther. So it's like a lazier slider. Uh, again, control as a whole is kind of below average. Controls the slider better than the fastball, but again, kind of below average. So there's relief risk in there. There's questions about where he ends up. But I do think that he is a potential to contribute at the big league level. Aurelvis Martinez, somebody we get asked about a lot. Uh, I, I, He's really talented. He needs a lot of polish. Uh, it t- tends to chase way too much uh, to kind of have him come up and do anything above double A to maybe triple A in 2023. So, uh, I'll get more to him on next week's mailbag if you want to hear more about Aurelis Martinez playing shortstop or third base. Uh, again, huge power guy. Your power tool is only as good as your hit tool. His hit tool might be a 30 or a 35. So, 
Great week this week. If you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can email us, LockedInMLBProspects at gmail.com, or drop your questions in the new Locked MLB Prospects Discord. The link to join is in the show notes in the episode description. Until tomorrow's show, this has been Locked On MLB Prospects. Oh.